Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, Steve Palazzolo, pro football focus. We like him. We like talking to him, especially after Dolphin wins. He's on the Orion Fuel and Downstairs Convenience Store. It's guest line truly steps beyond convenience. Steve, good morning. We appreciate you joining us here. And what has been the biggest difference for the Dolphins? Okay, when you're grading out guys the last couple of weeks for Miami, Compared to the, you know, even the game before, which was putrid against Tennessee, what has been the biggest difference these last couple of weeks? Well, I think it's definitely it starts with the running game with Jay Ajayi. I mean, he's he's looking really good, and it's you know the offensive line I think is a little bit better, but I think he's making them look even better than they've been. You know, even when he gets the slightest crease, gets to the second level, um, he's he's creating big plays. We saw on Sunday just a number of. 10 to 15 yard runs where, uh, you know, maybe it should have only been three or four and he's making the most of it. So I think he's been great. And I think defensively, I think you saw, especially on Sunday, I think the defensive line as a whole, um, you know, just, just showed up together. Cameron Wake and Dominican Sue, a lot of pressures from both of those guys where I think the Dolphins issues the last couple of years have been, maybe it's just Sue in one game or just Wake in another game. I feel like they're all, uh, you know, creating a little bit more pressure together, which of course, uh, when when everybody's playing well together, uh, easiest things on the back end, and I, I think that defensive line helps set, set the tone. That's interesting. Then let's start with the offensive side here. So you are giving more credit to the way Ajayi has run the last two games than the way the offensive line has blocked for him. Yeah, and it's not that they've been bad. I mean, Juwan James had one of his best run blocking games that we've seen. Laramie Tunzel looked really good. So uh, you know they haven't gotten. They they've been they've gone from really bad on the interior, especially run blocking, to at least good and competent. But when you look at Ajaya, even against the Steelers, a lot of those runs against the Steelers uh, the previous week were really just the Steelers having really bad uh, discipline defensively, and Ajaya was able to take advantage of that. So I think there are a lot of plays in the NFL where the run blocking is just okay. Um, but it becomes a big 30, 40, 50 yard gain if the running back can exploit a, a defensive weakness. I think that's what he's doing. Every time a, uh, you know, a Bills player was out of his gap or a Steelers player was out of his gap, whether he was blocked or not, I think he was taking advantage of it. So he's been outstanding these last couple of weeks. Steve, what have you noticed on the defensive side of things? The fact that Koemisi is out now and we see Kiko Alonso in the middle of the pack. How has he been playing as, as the Dolphins defensive middle linebacker? Yeah, I think he's he's improved. You know, he's he was early in the season. I think he was okay against the run, and you know, he'd been he'd been exploited in coverage the last couple seasons, which is really um, a surprise to me based off how he played as a rookie. You know, as a rookie, he was outstanding in coverage, showed good athleticism, but he would just miss a run fit here and there, and you'd say, okay, look, he needs to improve against the run. I feel like he's kind of. Uh, flipped that a little bit. Uh, he's improved in coverage these last couple of weeks because the last couple of years have been rough. And, uh, you know, and played pretty well against the run, making the plays that have come to him, hasn't missed a tackle these last two weeks after missing four against Tennessee. So that's been a huge factor as well. And your grade on Ryan Tannehill, how's that thing been shaping up? Is it more of a, uh, a ridiculous inflated numbers due to the fact that he only throws 10-yard routes or what? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't. He's just been okay. And we're always back and forth from being – 
what seems like Tannehill apologist to, you know, pumping the brakes on him. And this is one of those weeks where, yeah, he has this long touchdown to win the game. And it wasn't even a good throw. It was all, uh, you know, receiver adjustment to essentially an underthrown pass, poor play by cornerback and safety. Uh, Stills makes a great job, you know, does a nice job making the catch and run. So um, I think Tannehill is still what he is. He can move the ball at the intermediate level. I don't think he's a great deep ball thrower, puts enough on his receivers, though, that, you know, that his deep ball numbers should be a little bit better than they are. But Sunday was funny because it was one of those cases where it wasn't a great deep pass, turns into a 60-plus yard yard gain, and, uh, you know, those those things offset over time. So the, the usual solid Tannehill performance. See, that's, that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because that's a discussion that we had yesterday about that, that touchdown to Kenny Stills where – we're trying to determine. You thought it was a planned play like that, and I thought it was just a horrible thrown ball that Kenny Stills had to make an adjustment right. for. Right. We were debating whether or not it was an underthrown ball or or if it was underthrown on purpose for the receiver who's looking at the ball to be able to catch it. So I wonder how, because that does happen sometimes. So I wonder how does pro football focus grade plays like that? How do you know that he didn't underthrow it on purpose in that spot? And then when you also consider that he should have been tackled there if two defenders don't bump into each other. How do you grade a play like that? Well, I think you just have to look at all of the variables. Where's the cornerback? Where's the safety? And if you look at the time that Tannehill throws the ball, I'm looking at it right now, at the time that he throws the ball, the cornerback is on the inside hip of the receiver, and that's where the pass ends up, on the inside hip of the receiver. So at that point, what we, I think what we've realized is the further the ball goes down the field, the more it's all about the wide receiver and the cornerback. Yes, there are plenty of passes where the quarterback just hits the receiver in stride, and that's as clear as day. Hey, great job, quarterback. You did a nice job. But there are so many of these 50-50 type situations in the NFL, and we usually err at a zero as like an average expected throw. If you give a receiver a 50-50 opportunity, it's essentially an average grade because what we found is you know, about half the time it's knocked away, another half the time it's caught. And it's all about that receiver-corner interaction. And that's what happened here. I mean, he threw it into the corner's leverage. Stills does a little nice little subtle push-off, which is what the best receivers do. Works his way back to it. The safety over-pursues, and we have a touchdown. So, to me, this one's all on the receiver. Who was the who graded out the best on the offensive line this week for the Dolphins? Uh, Tunsil was up there best all around. Um Ran, uh, run blocking was, was really good. I don't think he gave up a pressure in pass protection. And then I mentioned Jawan James wasn't as good in pass protection, but uh, had his best game as a run blocker this season. So how, Tunsil, ha- how, how has Tunsil graded out? I mean, rookie season, top pick, should have been a, a, a very top pick, if not for uh, the gas mask bong. How has, he, how has he graded out considering how talented he is or how, he, how talented he's supposed to be? Overall, very good. I mean, his, his worst grade came at left tackle against Cincinnati. He had about four pressures that game. He has two games with four pressures. Um, so those were his worst two games. But three of them, he's been pretty clean in pass protection and overall done a nice job in the run game. So I'm not surprised with how he's played. I think it's been solid. And, um, you know, actually when you compare him to some of the other rookie offensive linemen around the, around the league, guys like Jack Conklin for Tennessee playing really well, it's actually been a – uh, and Taylor Decker playing really well for the Lions. It's actually been a very good rookie offensive line class, which I, I didn't necessarily expect. I thought that there were some good first-round players. I didn't think that they'd all transition this well, though. You would know better than a lot of people would in terms of having five offensive linemen healthy, being able to run block for a running back, or being able to keep a quarterback upright. Throughout the rest of the NFL, throughout the rest of the league, 
What is the numbers looking like for offensive linemen that have been mismatched apart and, and, and trying to create some kind of run game? Yeah, I don't, I don't have that handy necessarily, but you know, I think, I mean, you might know more than me actually, because you know, the, the continuity is so important, especially with how, you know, how run games are right now, very zone heavy attacks. And even when they're running man schemes, it's all about, you know, double team, get to the second level. It's all about communication. And, you know, I think that, that continuity other than what the Patriots did last year, where they basically treated the offensive line, like the defensive line and just rotated guys in and out. Most teams need that continuity. Um, you know, the things that we, that we've seen a little bit, and you talk to a lot of tackles about this when they have a different guard, whether he, you know, sometimes they feel like they have to make up for, uh, you know, a lesser player or, or communicate a little bit more. It's so important because, you know, that communication aspect, you see a lot of missed blocks, blown assignments. So, Offensive line is almost one of those positions where I don't need a guy that is going to, you know, everybody likes pancakes and create 10 yards of movement off the line. Just kind of get in position. Don't miss any assignments. Give the running back a chance. And that's where I think the continuity is, is so important. Now that Tannehill is actually spending some time on his feet, how are his receivers grading out? You mentioned that touchdown pass to Kenny Stills. What about Jarvis Landry? He's been good. We've always liked Jarvis. I mean, I think he's just a weird he's just a weird player because he he's not fast. He's not supposed to be quick. He just kind of gets the job done. So um, he's always graded as one of the best slot receivers in the league for us, because I think he, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, takes, takes advantage of, of the opportunities he's given short passes become first downs and uh, you know, passes beyond the sticks. He, he maximizes them. So he's been one of the better receivers in the league from a grading standpoint. Couple uh, rookie... Stills, Stills has been okay, but just that was that was easily his best game on Sunday. Couple rookie quarterback questions: Have we seen the last of Wentz's burpees, and also Dak Prescott? Is he due for one? Um, I think I think both were due for one, and it, I think it was very predictable that Wentz would have one against the Vikings. I mean, they have made literally every quarterback that they faced look bad, from Cam Newton to Aaron Rodgers. So, not surprised that Wentz had that. I keep waiting for Dak to have this big step back because he just was not a very accurate quarterback, did not make great decisions in college. And he's turned both of those parts of his game around, which you don't always see, especially the accuracy part of it. So uh, both players have been extremely impressive. I, I do expect Wentz to, you know, settle in more as a middle of the pack type of QB. And I, I do think Dak has to take a step back at some point, but man, he's been so impressive and the comfort level that both of those guys have shown as rookies have been, um, unexpected and very impressive for first-year for, uh, first players. Speaking of being very impressive, I don't think I can remember when I've seen this much rookie play out of quarterbacks and the fact that the Rams have the very first pick with Goff and he hasn't seen the field yet. When are we going to see Goff? He must be awful, or at least right now. like He must be awful. Oh, that's my guy. I love Jared Goff. He's going to be okay. I, I just look at it like this. He hasn't transitioned you know, from a playbook standpoint and maybe some of the stuff that scouts get get caught up on as far as coming out of this air raid system, this easier type of college system. Maybe that does make it a difficult transition, but I saw Goff when he had that system mastered in college and he can move through progressions quickly, has a quick mind, quick release, and he's accurate. So I think once he gets the system, he'll be okay. But look, playing behind that Rams offensive line and in that system, I wouldn't rush him either. Uh, you don't need to maximize his value in year one. If you do have a long-term plan, I think you have to stick to it. So I'm not losing faith in Goff just yet, especially not because they're, you know, guys like Dak and Wentz are having success. So 
I'm going to, I think he'll be okay. Don't rush him, but hey, he might be coming back after the bye. He might be the guy going forward. Steve Palazzolo, pro football focus. Finally, we'll let you go on this. Uh, uh, one last thing on Jay Ajayi. You know, he's he's not going to be Earl Campbell, okay? He's on the list with Earl Campbell and O.J. Simpson and, and Ricky Williams with the back-to-back 200-yard games. But because of, you, you know, I, I feel like because you're saying you're giving him more credit than even the offensive line, that should make the Dolphin fan feel good that maybe Jay Ajayi is the real deal, yes? Well, yeah, I mean, he's averaging 4.1 yards after contact right now, by far the highest in the NFL. So, you know, little things like that add up. He's not going to rush for 200 yards every game, but I think you're seeing that quickness in the hole, you know, putting his foot foot in the ground, making quick decisions, showing good vision. He's been excellent these last few weeks. So I I think there's definitely a lot of positives to his game, you know, whether he's Earl, Earl Campbell or not. Great job, Steve. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That's Steve Palazzolo again, pro football focus. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.